Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to the late breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to tune in for new episodes every Wednesday and Grand Prix Sunday. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast presented by Harry Eid, Sam Sage and me, Ben Hocking. Can you believe it, Sam? Just two episodes after today is done, and we will be at the first race of the 2023 season. Doesn't seem real. It's amazing how slow the winter break feels when you're clawing your way through it. You know, I'm watching Harry and Benny beside me through the trenches of the cold, cold winter. And then all of a sudden, it's like you, you part the, 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 the leaves of the bushes that you've arrived at. All of a sudden, it's first race weekend. It's here. But, you know, we've gone through the swamp, we've gone through the shelling and the, the flooding and the mud, and I'm coming, I've lost an arm at some point. And yet, in two weeks' time... You haven't spent much time in the trenches, have you? No. <laughs> you haven't been in a trench myself. Anyway, in two weeks' time, we're going to be back. I and mean, we've got testing this week as we speak as well. Very exciting. Harry, have you recovered from your trench crawling? <laughs> I Yeah, to be honest, I don't remember being there, so I must have got lost on the way. Um, Surprise. Yeah, I was elsewhere. The back line is not the front Sound line. Fence somewhere. Um, a C C. Uh, yeah, it's delight. It's it's less than two weeks, like a week and a half. We're, Hop, we're, jump. Well, no, this week is testing, actual testing, and as we all know, all the times that are set mean everything. They do. Bear that in <laughs> mind. Yeah, it's a real session, people. Yep. There's not much days. point watching the season because what you see in testing is exactly what you get every single year. <laughs> yeah. You're testing my patience already, actually, Harry, with your silly... Oh, I silly mean, every happiness. episode, so... <laughs> yeah. Look, look at that giant mug. I'm not talking about the one you're holding. <laughs> it's the yes. direct mug. Sure everyone can see that. Yeah, I know. It's irrelevant. Again, it's visual humour <laughs> that we're on a podcast. We really are bad at this, but he has got the mug literally the size of his head. <laughs> we'll, we'll get it nailed down one day. People can't see what we're talking about. One day right. you will see us. 
yeah. Oh, fingers crossed on that. Um, coming up on today's episode, everyone's favourite, F1 back and forth, is making an appearance to close out the show. Uh, Lance Stroll is going to be missing pre-season testing later on this week. We'll be uh, discussing that and also Felipe Drogovic taking his place in pre-season testing. F1 prepared to cancel races over human rights concerns. Comments by Stefano Domenicali coming up. But we're going to start with best case scenario, worst case scenario. Before we get to that, uh, a quick announcement on Patreon. So we announced this um, very last minute um, of the last episode that we did. So to give it a bit more formality, new Patreon benefits coming in starting from March. So if you sign up now, you're there in time for when those benefits go live. Two extra exclusive bonus, whatever words you want to use, two extra episodes like this every single month if you sign up to the Patreon um, on a couple of the tiers that we have. So check it out. We'll make sure the link is in the description as always. Harry, put it at the top, would you? Put it at the top of the description. That way people can find it very easily. We like our listeners. you at the top in a minute if you're not careful, Sunshine. See, thanks, Harry. You'll get more of that. On those secret episodes that everyone else listening on Spotify and Apple wouldn't usually hear. So if you want to make sure you're catching all of the late-breaking action, uh, nothing is going away on the normal episodes. We'll be here twice a week, every single week, but there'll be even more content. And if you sign up for the top tier, top of the top, where I'm sure Harry's putting Ben right now as we speak, uh, the Hall of Fame tier, you'll also get a monthly video of us where we might be a little bit tipsy, trying a few beers and discussing life and F1. And also, you get a little birthday shout out, don't you? Yeah, you do. On your birthday month, on the podcast, you'll hear your name. Happy birthday to you, Harry, Ben, me, Ian, Hall of Famer. You know, that'll be you. You'll join that amazing collection of names. So if you like all those tasty things, as well as ad-free podcasts and discount on your merch and gaming nights, then give it a little look. It massively helps us. And we love you very much for all those that are already doing it. Thank you. So let's get into best case scenario, worst case scenario. Each three, each of us have picked out two teams um, that we are going to give a best case scenario. What could realistically be the best version of 2023? Uh, and then look at potentially what is the worst version of 2023 that could happen for these select teams. Sam, do you want to kick us off with one? Yeah, so uh, one of the two that I've chosen is old Aston Martin, you know, where the goat himself, Fernando Alonso, has found himself. And we've got Lance Dordle. Yeah, I could do the meme again. I'm sure people aren't getting tired of me saying it like that. Um, You know, Lance Stroll is there alongside the goat. And, you know, Aston Martin, I did. You're right. I mean, a very precarious situation, I think, in their development of their time in Formula One. They're building these huge facilities out at their home base. They've hired someone like Fernando Alonso straight after Sebastian Vettel. And that's not just for his brilliant pace on the track. It'll be for his development knowledge and understanding of the cars and how, you know, feedback might work. And Stroll's there, which is great. So, um, yeah, what's the best and worst case scenario for Aston Martin this season? Best case scenario, you know, the facilities maybe start to have a kick in, the development that they put in place starts to work, they are competitive, and, you know, Fernando Alonso settles into that team super quick. I think best case scenario is they fight it out for best of the rest. They are up there with Alpine and maybe McLaren as your thought processes are, if it's standing order, and they could, if they're lucky, if they have a good run and fortune goes their way, end up in fourth place. Feels like it's going to be tight, but in theory, possible. Worst case scenario, this backfires massively. And they are dragging themselves around in, you know, as the ninth or tenth worst car. And it could definitely happen. You know, we've seen it happen to other teams before that have put investment in. They have to go the right way. So I think, you know, worst case scenario, 
They end up being maybe the, the second worst car on the grid, which would be a real shocker. Almost no points scored. Funding is low. Fernando Alonso gets very, very grumpy boy. And, you know, they don't have long to turn it around. Questions of the room in terms of worst case scenario on that. If it does go that way, and they are, because they were that ninth place team probably at the beginning of last season, but have recovered throughout the year. If that ends up being the case again, Toyota, late 2000s, does that start to become more and more of an accurate comparison? Because they invested a lot in Formula One towards that point and it didn't really come to anything. I mean, it got them more than what Aston Martin have arguably got already, but does that start to come true? I mean, what what are you doing, Aston Martin, if it does go that direction? If they throw hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not billions of pounds or dollars at Formula One, and they still are slogging it around in the eighth or ninth worst car on the grid, why don't you go and do what Red Bull have done to Mercedes and go nickel their best staff? You've got the dollar, you've got the bills. Start tempting some people away because it's it's the people at the end of the day that are going to make this car good enough. So you need to take away from your competitors and hire in the best people if you want to be successful. It's you know it's not just money speaks. You've got to have the talent behind it. So put that money into practice and bring someone on board. I think Toyota, what they they've always said, were maybe a season away from one of the best cars on the grid, and they pulled out of Formula One too early. So I'm just hoping that that does. yeah, you know, what if? Who yeah, knows? Yeah, yeah. Maybe. But yeah. I just hope that that doesn't happen to Aston Martin. I don't want them to get, you know, two or three years in when they've been trundling around as the eighth best car and they go, oh, the next season, actually, the car was looking pretty rapid. <laughs> yeah. Alonso's notoriously patient, so I'm sure it'd be fine if they were like ninth. Be all right. Yeah. Do you want to introduce another team into the fray, Harry? Yes. Um, my team are Ferrari. Everyone's favourite <laughs> Ferrari. Um, so best case scenario for them I'm assuming is where you want me to go with this Uh, cheers Uh, look best case scenario is they walk away with both championships I think because I thought I said realistically at the start everybody (laughs) cheers look they were in the chat if they weren't in the championship fight last year I know they gave it a good go to not be in the championship fight, but they were for a bit. Okay. So this year that that's, that's got to be their best case scenario, hasn't it? Because they know they've, well, they've got the talent within the team, uh, you know, both engineering wise and, and driver wise. Um, they've, they've been able to win races again. They gave it a good go not to, but they did win some. So, uh, yeah, that that's got to be their their best case scenario f- for this year, I think. Um, I mean, I've gone to worst case scenario in a minute, but but yeah, that, for me, that's that's the only thing that ooh. at the end of twenty twenty three, I think they can only be satisfied if they've walked away with a championship or two. That's what I was going to ask. Actually, do you is that Ferrari's best case scenario? Or is that Ferrari's only case scenario? You know, I mean, arguably, yeah, I think, I yeah. If they're second, but in the championship fight up until the last race of the True. season, True. I think I would take that. Like if I was a if I was a diehard Ferrari fan, I guess I wouldn't. But like realistically speaking, I think inside the building you would maybe accept that. From an outside point of view, the three of us who are we like to hope relatively neutral. 
I think if I watched Ferrari battle it all the way down to the final race of the season and it got decided in the final laps of the, the season, I'd go, fair enough, Ferrari. You, you can't really... Unless, of course, they'd lost it earlier on in the season by making some stupid <laughs> strategy calls. Throwing away a 100-point lead. Yeah, if they were 100 <laughs> points clear four races before the end, and then it went down to that, now I'd go, you're an idiot. But if this is the case and they go, we're three points behind, you've got a win to take the championship, I go, whatever happens, you put up a good fight. Worst case, I, I can't even imagine what the worst case scenario is for Ferrari. Like, both of their cars burn and... <laughs> Second know, place. Maranello <laughs> turns into a theme park. I, I don't know. What's the worst case scenario? I think I think worst case scenario is... they. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this. I was like, oh, do they, do, is worst case scenario they're, they're back at um, 2020 when, you know, something happened to their engine. I don't know what. You know, no one knows what happened to the naughty, engine. Naughty what boys. Yeah. What are you talking about? Nothing was I don't know. It's very Swe- mysterious. Something's under the rug. I think someone swept it there. No, but I, you stop this slander. Nothing was confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> I So I've, uh, I was like, well, that's the worst case scenario. But I actually think the worst case scenario is they're, they're like at 2021 level, which is not in a championship fight because, because for so long they've been on this sort of like build up to to you know the new regs and we're gonna fight for championships with this new car and if they end up they do a year where they half fight for a championship let's say and then the year after they come back and it's just like a car that will score podiums if if not a bit worse each race you know they're fighting mclaren that's like that's like a worst case scenario thing so sorry um, mclaren well, I didn't. Sorry, I didn't mean they're fighting for third. That's <laughs> what I meant there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's. I, I, I was, which obviously isn't as bad as twenty twenty, but I think, I know twenty twenty is more of a one off. I think it's if you end up in the same position they were two years ago, I think that's worst case scenario. As an extension to that, I would say all of that plus Leclerc has an opportunity elsewhere or gives up on the team because yeah. it feels like, at least in the current market, Leclerc and Sainz, they've got a really solid pairing there. If either of them left, is there an obvious contender for who goes up? I mean, Leclerc, when Vettel and Raikkonen were together as teammates, Leclerc was very obviously the next guy up. It doesn't feel like there is that driver out there at the moment. Maybe they could poach someone from another team, but... I feel like they need to keep hold of that lineup, and what you described there isn't a great way to go about doing that. No, no, that's a very good point. And that driver you- market is is so volatile, isn't it? Next next year, like this coming year, they they muck it up, and it's clear by a kind of September August time that it's not going well. It could very easily cause a mass shuffle by them going, "I'm jumping ship." See you later. Can you imagine a Leclerc, Verstappen lineup? No, no, it's the end of the world, unfortunately. It's it would be I'd watch it, though. Yes. It'd be the oh, end of the world, God. I'd watch it. Yeah, I would watch the world burn to enjoy that 23 <laughs> race calendar. <laughs> I'm going to introduce Mercedes into the mix, where realistically the best case scenario is the same as what Harry's outlined for Ferrari, where they win both championships. But to be slightly more specific about how they go about winning those titles... Uh, I don't think they would be particularly picky about how they do it. But if we are talking true best case scenario here, I feel like it would probably be, and this sounds counterintuitive, I would say it's Lewis Hamilton winning the championship with George Russell in a very close second. 
Now, you might think that it makes more sense for Mercedes' future that George Russell is the driver winning the championship, preserving the future for them when Lewis Hamilton decides to call it a day. I think I don't I don't have any concerns about George Russell that if he was close to Lewis Hamilton, that would be enough for me to be convinced that he can step up when it's his time to lead them to championships. I mean, the, the best comparison would probably be remember Prost and Lauder as teammates in the mid eighties. Yeah, McLaren. I was alive. I remember. Yeah, you were there. You were twenty six, mate. Oof. I was. I, I was going to older than that. That's right. Um, <laughs> But, you know, you have Prost and Lauda. Prost was the up-and-coming driver. Lauda was in the very last few years of his career. Lauda wins the title against Prost in 84 by half a point. That doesn't stop Prost winning multiple championships after Lauda goes. And I think that you'd get a similar scenario even if Hamilton were to beat Russell to the championship. And I think marketability-wise, Hamilton as a world champ does more for Mercedes right now than Russell does. So I think that's probably the best-case scenario. Um I don't, do, do you agree with that or disagree with that? Because I understand that theoretically you want your young driver to be ready. Mm, I think the thing that I took <laughs> away from your point, Ben, is that Prost and Lauda might be the best driver lineup that actually happened at all time. <laughs> wow, that's huge. That's uh, not what Ben was going for. No. I don't but, care what Ben was going I never care what he's going for. <laughs> I, I admire Im- improvisation. Um in all yeah. seriousness, go. I think what you said makes a lot of sense. And actually, I think also not even for marketability wise. I think for their story, I think they would feel yes. maybe it's been a little bit incomplete if they didn't manage to get Lewis the eighth because they got obviously the eighth constructors. They didn't get the eighth drivers. Um, so I feel like you know they've missed a little trick there, and I think they want to give that to Lewis after all he's done for the team. Worst case has to be for for me that they go obviously design wise they have stuck to their guns like they had a choice at the end of 2022 mold themselves into what red bull are going for which clearly worked last year or stay true to what they were doing last year which was a bit more radical they've gone with the latter decision which could pay dividends but if it doesn't and they realize partway through this year we've made an error we're going to have to go back and, and go towards the other way of designing the car for next year that's a lot of catch up not only for next year but the year after and it has a ripple effect from there so i think worst case is regardless of where they are results wise if they realize in terms of their overall concept they've gone the wrong way about it um and really on top of that if lewis hamilton decides to call it a day just based on mercedes not being competitive enough because whilst George Russell's place in the team came about. It was very carefully planned, wasn't it? It was almost planned years ahead of time for him to replace Valtteri Bottas when he was ready. If Lewis Hamilton were to go, similar to the Ferrari discussion, if Lewis Hamilton were to go, where do they go with that seat? They're going to have to make it up on the spot. I don't think there's anything planned. So those are the two sort of component parts to what I think would be a worst case scenario. I mean that that side pog strategy is a is a bold call, Cotton, and we're going to have to see how it plays see out. It pays for off, them, you know, because it's, it's it's the same, but they've added some like chunky bits to it. The, the halo goes all the way back, that. doesn't it? Yeah, the halo goes quite, all the way back. I'm quite. Um, I mean, I'm. It's there for a reason, I'm sure, but I'm um, like, it looks thin but chunky at the same time, which is quite a skill. This I like. is I, I, this is how I would analyse you, Harry, on the podcast. You're here for a reason, I'm sure. And <laughs> you're but chunky. Think but chunky at the same time. <laughs> we 
We should call it funky. (laughs) (laughs) Funky yet funky. (laughs) Good. Um, I'm actually, it's August, August serious note though. I am, I really hope the Mercedes development works at least, you know, become like a, a title contender because I want, I want something rogue to go right in Formula One. I want to see a team go, no side pods, saying it's just as quick, if not quicker than side pods. Minds are blown across F1. I think it would be hugely challenging for F1 if suddenly a no side pod design was as good, if not better, than something that we have ran with in Formula One for decades now. It'd be very interesting. Indeed. Um, We've got three more teams that we're going to discuss on the other side of this break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Okay, we've given one team each and we've got one more team to go each. So Sam, back to you. You had Aston Martin for your first one. Who is your second one? We've had too many chats about people potentially winning the title here. So we're going to just, come on, tether ourselves in a little bit. Let's calm down. We're going to Williams, who... You know, if you could said that 20 to 30 years ago, you'd have been like, really? Yeah, that was rude. Anyway, um, Williams, who have been literally, apart from Haas taking an actual year out, um, Williams have been the worst car in the grid now for some time. I'd argue maybe even half a decade they've been the worst car on the grid alongside Haas now every single season. And best case scenario they're not dragging their heels at the back of the grid. You know, I'm not saying points finishes every single race, and by points, I mean a point finish every single race. But I I think best best case scenario, they're having regular fights with the midfield cars. So, you know, they're picking up regular 12ths, regular 11ths, sometimes getting a 10th or a 9th in there. And they're not embarrassing themselves by being, you know, half a lap slower, half a lap, half a tenth slower than everyone else in the midfield because it has happened in their very, very recent history. And I think just some some consistent, it sounds awful for Williams especially, but consistent mediocrity in the world of Formula One would actually be quite welcome, I think, for Williams. Just, uh, yeah, we're going to end up being the sixth or seventh team in the point standings and we're going to score points at 10 of the 23 races this season great stuff I think they'd look at that and go that's a good step forward and also get some bloody sponsors on the car Williams you've got golf and you've got the lovely Duracell and then other than that it's looking do you see very, the new thing on the, the livery obviously Ben you are one comment away from me leaving this podcast um, did you not see it the brand new <laughs> battery that they've got <laughs> <laughs> 
the stress boils my blood. Um, yeah, they need they need some outside sponsorship though. They are looking bare bones. It's looking like a Haas or the McLaren. You know, in like 2016, 2015, when McLaren had like one sponsor on the car, they got to get some sponsors on there. And you need results to do so. Worst case scenario, they're last again, big times. James Vowles doesn't know what he's doing which would be really upsetting for everyone because I think we're all wishing him success. And then their major sponsors pull out throughout getting any airtime, the likes of Golf and Duracell. Um, it could really fall apart, I think, if they have an absolute shocker of a season and go backwards. So what do you guys think? You think Williams could do it? I'm not sure I have too much optimism. Yeah, well, based on the best case scenario, centering around mediocrity, <laughs> I think that, but I think it's fair as well because this feels like this doesn't feel like a year in which Williams are going to succeed, quite honestly, but it does feel like a year where they can set the foundations for succeeding in a few years' time because Correct. certainly with James yeah. Vows coming on board, changing yeah. the culture, like that's, it's almost setting the scene for the years to come. And if it works, if it works, it won't necessarily show itself in results this year, is my inkling. I think it sounds awful, but I know it's a long way away, but Williams should be reshaping for 2026 I think I think they should be nailing down an engine supply that's I mean, better than theirs alone. Right? <laughs> exactly and I think you know yeah okay keep plugging away don't get me wrong but coming swinging in 2026 all these new engine manufacturers and you know whatnot start appearing and we've got slightly new rule sets coming through and bounce your way up the grid I think they're already bad no point wasting resources to carry on being bad Williams Mechachrome here we come I would like the Williams car to be a transformer next season. <laughs> Williams Judd, mate. It's <laughs> <laughs> Old school power units. Um, all right, Harry, over to you for the second team. Uh, my second team is Alpine. Bonjour. Um, yes, bonjour indeed. The cowards that won't paint their car fully pink. Um, best case scenario for them is I think is that best of the rest spot, but it's it's the best of the rest spot and they're fighting for some podiums more often than like the two they got in 2020. I think it, it needs to be more more like McLaren 2021 vibes in that sense. Um because they they have been in a very similar position for <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> I, actually, not- I, had, I had a look at this and I, f- I think they finished fourth or fifth every year for like the last five years or something. Yeah, so they, like that's that's going to be their their best case scenario. Also, the other bit, bit to add to that is that Ocon and Gasly don't kill each other. Um, that's good. That's a good scenario for them. But yeah, I think that's going to be their, their best case scenario here because... Just just move slightly higher than you have been, guys. You've been in the same place for a while. Alpine, you, you ought to get a life, loves, because what you're doing in Formula One is really boring. <laughs> well, do you remember when they came back as, as Renault? And I, I believe their target was that they wanted to be fighting for the championship by 2019 or 2020. I hate to break the news to you, Alpine. Going We're well. a few years past that now, if this and is I a don't see any joke, championship guys, fight. It's, you, you've, you've succeeded. You've got us all. Time to reveal the big plan. When did they come back properly? Well, there was Renault, 20, wasn't it? 2016. 16. 2016, yeah. Correct. What a lineup they had as well. 
Hey, K-Mag and Jolien, don't you mock it. Yeah. I mean, they're further ahead than when they were at, at that point, but you're right in that really versus 2018 when they finished fourth, I mean, have they moved forward at all? Not really. The fact that there are four engine manufacturers currently in the sport, they then being the fourth one, and they're still regularly finishing behind McLaren, isn't really good enough. You know, it's they should be fighting. They've got the finances. They've got the resource. They should be fighting at least with Mercedes, who finished obviously third last time around. It's not good enough now after this one in the sport. Also, strong effort on spending all your money on Daniel Ricciardo, Fernando Alonso, and then losing both of them. Oh, it's just... That's all right. They've still got Piastri. <laughs> oh, don't say oh. it because Otmar is going to cry. <laughs> they spend their time crying about losing drivers too often outside, instead of developing their car. Come on. Oh, dear. Love that. Um, all right. One more team. And it's Alfa Romeo. Best case scenario for Alfa Romeo. To be honest, this is almost like a the plus version of what Sam has got for Williams. Um, <laughs> it's a bit more of an encouraging outlook, but it's a very similar sort of situation in that really they're buying, they're not buying time, but they are to an extent treading water until 2026 comes around. So really anything that helps them be consistent, no drama, steady, solid in the midfield, ready for Audi to take over in a few years' time. That I feel like that's where they need to get to. So anything that works towards that is a best-case scenario. If they can solidly fight for points nearly every weekend, I think that's a best-case scenario because we saw, at least in 2022, they had a great start, first five races, but as as Harry's mentioned before, Bottas fell asleep after Miami and Alfa Romeo didn't really score any points for the rest of the year. So can they consistently fight for points all the way throughout a year and actually do like over 20 races rather than just five? That would be a great start. Bottas is in year two. If he can improve even further, that's great. And really like regarding the stake um, sponsorship, if that proves to be a good move for them and there's no if difficulties there, there's no big departures in terms of personnel. Just anything that feeds towards Audi in 2026 is, is a best-case scenario, I think. Worst-case scenario is going to sound weird, but I do have a point for saying this. Worst-case scenario is that Zhou Guan Yu improves a little bit. Because if Zhou Guan Yu improves a little bit, they will do what Alfa Romeo do better than any other team on the grid, and that is settle for average when it comes to their drivers. Quite honestly, Antonio Giovinazzi and Kimi Raikkonen should not have been there for a collective six years. Um, but they stuck with... <laughs> but, but the problem was, neither was bad enough to get rid of them, but neither were good enough to push the needle and actually get things done for the team. And I fear they're going to get in that spot again if Shou Guan Yu is a little bit better than last year, but is still quite comfortably in the worst third of the grid. Because if that happens, they might pick him up for a third year, in which case Teo Porsche doesn't get a shot in that seat. And Porsche might or might not be great when it comes to Formula One, but potential-wise, there's a lot more there than pretty much any driver coming up through the ranks at the moment. And Porsche, they've got a chance to keep him for a couple of years if he were to get to F1, and he ends up being quite good. Um, but if if you know if Shogun Yu completely fails this year, not that I'm hoping that happens at all but if that does happen it gives Alfa Romeo a reason to move on from him 
if he improves a little bit, they might just stick with him for a third year and lose out on that opportunity, which I don't think serves them well in the long term. I think very good point about drivers, uh, but I'm going to just move away to talk about the team itself. Do you think that there is a real risk that Alfa Romeo don't have any motivation to carry on performing to the point where they could comfortably find themselves sliding down into maybe ninth every season? Because, you know, Audi are coming in, the investment's been made, right? They're, they're making their moves regardless. It's not like the, the Alfa Romeo side of things. Why continue to put time, effort and money into the project? when the deal is done and dusted, they just have to give it the time required to finally think that. Do you think there's a risk of them just going, eh, we'll just get our payout and see you in two years' time? I'll let you answer that, Harry. Uh, I don't know, because, yeah, I, for, for Alfa Romeo, the company, what, what like, what are you doing now, lads? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, actually. What what what's the point of being here? And I mean that with the greatest respect to anyone who works for Alfa Romeo. But but what is the what's the game? It's like you're keeping the seat warm for your well, mate. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. It is as a I guess it's just a marketing exercise for for Alfa Romeo the company. But um, I'm not sure what it what it gains them. So it's it's a fair question. Motivation, I don't know. But that might be. I get a harsh word because, you know, the people that work at Alfa Romeo Salba, it's just Salba, isn't it, still, that gets rebranded every few years. So they, they still want to go <laughs> They're racing. They're like a billboard, aren't they? They're literally like a <laughs> yeah. racing billboard. It's like, your time's up. Which company's flavour of the month, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, which manufacturer wants to buy us now? So, um, yeah, I don't doubt, like, the racing team's uh, ambition to be... To be good, but but from a wider standpoint, in terms of Alfa Romeo, then maybe maybe there is a lack of ambition there now. Because, like I said, what? Why are you there? What are you doing? Don't know. They got a clue. They got a clue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you get situations where drivers are probably knowingly in a position where they're a bit of a seat warmer, but generally speaking, that will only be for a year. There's still three full seasons to go, so it's not like. That's that's a lot of treading water to do. So if that if that motivation from the and, and I agree with your point, Harry, if the, if the motivation isn't there from the overarching company, because I don't think anyone would question the motivation of the individual employees, regardless of whether they're drivers, mechanics, whatever. If that motivation isn't coming from above, then that's a tricky spot to be in. I mean, that's that, like, that's what my point is, right? You know, three years is a long time. There's going to be no investment. You wouldn't invest in a project that you know you're leaving. You know, and also if you've got some really good key members of staff, maybe a lot of the team are thinking, well, is there an exit here? Is there an exit there? You know, are Mercedes wanting to hire, a Ferrari wanting to hire, they're only up the road. You know, you could end up losing a lot of key valuable things because you're just doing nothing for three seasons. They ain't going to win. Let's be real. Let's be realistic. They're not going to win a title in the next three seasons. Dumb dumb question for me, but Alfa Romeo, the company staying with Salba, the company, Right until the death of No, there's a year. There's a year there a break. Year gap? The intention is to make the name as long as physically possible. So it will actually be for a short amount of time Alfa Romeo, Audi, Salba, BMW. Oh, <laughs> Beamer coming in. Nice. Yeah, they, they just wanted to add something else. Year. There is yeah, yeah, no, yeah. there is a year between Alfa Romeo leaving and Audi joining. It's the twenty twenty-five season. And I'm very interested to see what 
I don't know if Salberg is going to run as Salber for a season and fully fund it themselves. I imagine Audi will give the backing because obviously they don't want to start collapsing into a, a, a you know nothing. They'll they'll put some stickers on it, won't they? But it won't they'll be find anything someone. to do with Alba. <laughs> you, you'll probably just sell to the the best sponsor, right? And just go. You'll have a one year deal where you will be called whatever Salber for one year. Yeah, Chelsea. They'll get involved again. Chelsea Salber. No, Salba. not happening. Sports Direct Salber. God, <laughs> don't let Mike Ashley get anywhere near it. Um, Stay away, Mike. We're going to take a, a short break. Uh, on the other side, we're going to be discussing comments from Domenico Ali. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, some comments from... Steve Sunday, as Harry likes to call him. Stefano Domenicali, very recently. That's his name. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's his name, isn't it? Um, but <laughs> if you put it into Google Translate, Italian to English, that is what it comes out as. Which is exactly how everyone wants to be referred to, putting their name through Google Translate. I feel like this is probably <laughs> hey, irrelevant. Pete Gazzle's great. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> he, he was speaking to Sky recently um, and said the following... We have in our contracts very clear articles that if we see something that is not going to the right direction, we have immediately the benefit of stopping our relationship when talking about human rights. Uh, there are independent auditors that are following this. Sam, what's your thoughts on this? Do you think there's any chance that F1 would actually um, go through with this on a regular basis? We know that obviously the Russian Grand Prix ended up being cancelled, um, but there are other countries on the calendar where human rights are very much a concern. So what did you make of the comments overall? Yeah, lovely comments, aren't they? If you're just going to look at the comments, like a nice little gift-wrapped bow, you know, they're delightful. I would happily absorb them into myself any given day of the week. But the meaning of the comments are completely sparse, empty, meaningless, rubbish. Boulder dash is the word I'm looking for. Um, Quite frankly... Mr. Steve Sunday, Mr. Stefano Domenicalo, as much as I am a fan of yours, I do enjoy the work that you do, sir. It's a lie, isn't it, really? You've lied because we very much do still go racing in a number of nations that have got very severe, bad, negative human rights records. I mean, look at what happened with Qatar, right? When they always get that World Cup, a lot of people died, weren't allowed to wear rainbow armbands, you get a fine for it. Uh, if you wore a rainbow shirt in the stadium, you could be arrested or removed and banned. I mean, that's just one example. 
Last year, if you remember, cast your minds back about 11 months, we were in a country called Saudi Arabia and a missile exploded into an oil refinery down the freaking road because they're at war with another nation for bad reasons. Now, that's just two of the nations. And those haven't resolved themselves, by the way. There's still problems in the world that are going on that, you know, you may or may not know about, Steve. But I'd like to argue you do know about them. So really, given the ultimatum, either stop doing the bad things and you can do the good F1, or stop doing the good F1 and you can carry on doing the bad things. But, you know, he hasn't enforced it. It's a load of rubbish. And I was actually quite disappointed with it because I'd rather hear nothing about it and then just enforce it and go, we've removed, I don't know, China from the calendar permanently until they sort out their issues with COVID-19 enforcement or something like that. Because obviously that's been around the press. It's not been treated very well. China had a number of issues with their regulations and how they treat people. You know, that's the kind of thing I'd like to hear. Just come out and do it. Just rip the band-aid off and go, nope, we don't want that. And there's enough places that would take a race, as we've already seen. There's enough races on that calendar already. You ain't missing out. Do it. Put your foot down, Steve. I want to see you get freaky with those nations. And by freaky, I mean... I want to get freaky with you. Those nations. <laughs> that sounds just like the Manicali. I th- I th- that was a real serious point, Sam. Well done. It's a serious matter. Ended in a really non-serious way. <laughs> Very late-breaking of you. Um, what, what were your thoughts on the Manicali's comments, Harry? Yeah, I mean, exactly what Sam said. I think... Oh, well and good to say that. And I think he's capitalizing here off the back of the uh, the good press he got by saying that F1 drivers can say what they want about political statements and uh, and stuff like that. Um, which is all well and good. You can, you can capitalize as much as you want, but not unless you're going to act upon it. And sounds right. We, we've, we've only stopped going to Russia because, and I'm just going to check my notes, they invaded another country last year. That that's the bar we've set so far for not going to places, and even then, I'm not sure we we are consistent with it. So, um, it's fine to say that, but but yeah, you've got to put your money where your mouth is, and not where the oil is, Stefano. So um, doesn't taste very nice either. Well, exactly, exactly. exactly. I just want to eat oil. Doing oil wrong, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know in films where they do that thing where they suck the air through a hose and they try and pull the oil out of the car I yeah. just drink it yeah and they all go oh god Yeah, I don't do the spit out bit I forget no, yeah. to do that bit well that's fair um, so yeah another great way to end that point but but uh, yeah look, Sam I, I'm in agreement freaky so yeah know. true I, I, <laughs> again low bar. In, I'm in full agreement with the uh, with Sam here, it is it is all well and good to say that, and we've been through this before with the we races one, but you, you, we go to these countries where you can't, we, you clearly don't, you know, uh, we don't race as one, we don't agree on things. So, um, yeah, I, I, look, I'm happy, I'm happy for him to say it, but that needs to be backed up by 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 doing something about it because there are races on the calendar that, with that logic, should should already not be on the calendar, but. I don't see that happening. So, yeah, and I, th- I think when it comes to these human rights questions, I, I do think, despite our platform being infinitely smaller than, say, F one, I do I do feel there is a shared responsibility here not to stay silent on these sorts of issues and to 
to speak up because you know we will watch the races in countries where we don't agree from a human rights perspective so it's only i think it's only fair and right that in this forum that we do speak up on these issues um i don't think any of us claim to be human rights experts overall or indeed in any one particular country but we do have views and we do have morals and i think it is right to to air those when it is related to the sport that we love and Domenicali, what he's done here i think he's protected himself quite cleverly in terms of his wording because he's not outright saying if you have bad human rights records equals no f1 race that's not what he's saying here he's very cleverly said if it's going in the wrong direction at that point we reserve the right to step away the thing is, a lot of the countries that are in question here are starting from a very low bar. So you could argue, for example, Saudi Arabia, you could argue, human rights-wise, it is going in the right direction. Now, could you argue that it's going far too slowly? Could you argue it's not doing enough? Absolutely, you can. But you can at least make the case, if you're Stefano Domenicali, to say, it is going in the right direction, which protects himself in terms of the comment that he's made here. So I think he's he's been quite shrewd about his wording. Having said that, at least uh, I'll use Saudi Arabia as an example again. I mean, in March of last year, 81 people were mass executed um, in the biggest mass execution the country has ever seen, which doesn't sound a lot like progress, if you ask me. So um, you know, there's certainly a case to argue the opposite of what I've just said as well in terms of it not going well, that, the right they, they could do 80 this year in one mass execution, and that's progress. Well, that's the point. That it, it protects him from that sort of situation to say it's going in the right direction. And d- make no mistake about it, call, call me a fool if you think I'm wrong, but F1 only races where it races for monetary reasons. And I don't just mean that in terms of questions where there are questionable human rights records. We speak a lot about Silverstone and about even the likes of Spa or or, or Monaco or, or these European races where human rights records might not be as in the spotlight as other countries. It's They're still only going there for money reasons. There is not one venue on the F1 calendar that they go for nostalgic reasons that has nothing to do with the bottom line. Cash is king. And even the European races that you might think are under threat as a result of not being able to bring as much cash, they're still there for a monetary reason. That nostalgia does feed into the money aspect. Um, so, and I, I you know, I, I think Domenicali is is aware of that. Even with human rights records, with Russia as an example, he can point to that and say, we didn't go there because of human rights records. It's not true. They didn't go there because the the money aspect of going there was outweighed by the negative, the potential negative reaction of going there. Um, so again, it it wasn't a human rights decision. It was a, it was a monetary public relations issue. Um, Domenicali does claim that F one can do good, and I think he's right in that respect. The problem is it's a hypothetical because I agree with what you've said that they don't do what they could do. They could do a lot more. There's been a lot of watering down of statements and um, movements. I don't even think you call them movements, but you know, we race as F1 as an example, massively watered down versus where it was a couple of years ago. So in that respect, yes, F1 can do good and it can be a leading influence. 
Is it at the moment? I, I don't think I would argue that's the case. I also think that, um, I think everything you said there is bang on, by the way, Ben. Um, I think we've also pointed a lot of fingers at Russia, understandably, and at Middle Eastern nations. Um, but also you've got to look at those European nations that you mentioned because Britain right now, I wouldn't say our human rights record is improving as a nation. You know, we've got so many families going into austerity, using food banks, having to sleep in, uh, you know, not permanent accommodation because they can't afford it. We've got people who are being turned away from the nation going across the channel and dying and struggling. You know, the Britain as we know it is on the decline in terms of looking after the people that live or want to be in this country. But you'll never hear everyone say anything about it because, as the rest of the world knows and as the press knows, Britain's all right, in it? Wink, wink, Britain's fine. So it feels like FIA and Liberty have got a bit of a line where they think, as long as it doesn't fall below this level, aka literally trying to evade someone in the face of everyone, we're not going to cancel the race that we have there because they're paying the dosh and that's what we care about. We're going to take uh, one last short break uh, and then on the other side, we're going to be discussing Aston Martin's plans for testing as a result of Lance Stroll not able to participate. Here's a quick message from our friends at NordVPN. Isn't it frustrating when you find a new TV show that you really want to see only to then find out that it can't be watched in your country? Why, yes, Sam. That's very frustrating indeed. Well, fortunately, you don't have to suffer any longer. With NordVPN, I'm able to change my virtual location. With one simple click of a button, I have access to streaming services from over 60 countries worldwide. That's not all, though. With money tight at the moment, we could all use new ways to save. Perhaps it's cheaper to sign up for, for subscription services via another country. Or maybe you find that booking flights via another country works out better for you. When you think about it, NordVPN can actually pay for itself. All of that for the price of a coffee each month. It's a small price to pay for premium cybersecurity and increased access to entertaining content worldwide. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash LBF1. By doing so, you'll get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan, including four months free. It's completely risk-free thanks to Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And as a bonus incentive, subscribers will get an additional gift as it's Nord's 11th birthday. That's nordvpn.com forward slash LBF1 to take advantage now. Happy birthday, Nord. Happy birthday, Nord VPN. Happy birthday. Oh, God. Uh, so it was announced yesterday. Was it yesterday? I can't yesterday. remember. Yeah. Just Lance Roll Monday. Yeah. Cheers, Sam. Um, yeah, Lance Stroll isn't going to be able to compete in pre-season testing in Bahrain later this week. Uh, Stroll himself said that he had had an unfortunate accident whilst training on his bike in preparation for the season. Uh, Aston Martin, as a result of that, um, expect said that they expected a quick recovery and returning to driving duties as soon as possible. Uh, his fitness to return to the cockpit will be assessed daily and the team will issue an update ahead of the Bahrain Grand Prix. So I think the intention is for Lance Stroll to make the start of the season, but at least not compete in pre-season testing. And 
Firstly, congratulations to Aston Martin for announcing today, as we record this, who will be taking on the slate. Um, so Fernando Alonso will do the afternoon of the first day of testing, but it will be Felipe Drogovic that does the morning of the Thursday. Now, day two and three, we don't yet know whether Drogovic will feature in either of those two days, um, but we at least know he'll be doing the morning of the first day. Uh, Harry, what's your thoughts on Lance Stroll, first and foremost, being um, obviously missing this test? How much of an impact is that going to have on his start of the season? Uh, I think it's going to have a massive impact because we saw last year, um, was it was Ricardo that missed the entire... I thought we had two tests last year. We're only on one test, but he missed an entire second test because of COVID. Um, and guess I know he didn't have a great year. I'm not blaming it on that, but he... At the start of the, you know, Bahrain, he was he was miles behind Lando, more more so than he ever was for the remainder of the year. So um it's undoubtedly gonna have a negative impact on Lance because there's only three days of running and he's not gonna be able to do any of them. He's had he's had a few runs at Shakedown or filming day or whatever, um a few a week or so ago. So yeah, not great. I mean he'll get up to speed, but but the first race he does come back is gonna be gonna be a tough one. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's not, it's not going to help him again. You know, he's got Fernando Alonso up against him this year. Problem in it. Bit of a problem when you don't he's even get your three testing, three days of testing, and your your experience, your experienced teammate gets the three days testing, and you don't. You're even more experienced, I should say, because we should not think of Lance as inexperienced anymore. He's but, the um, ninth most experienced driver on the grid this season. When you said that the other day, um. I, I don't know. It didn't shock me because yes, of course he's been around for ages, but he's he's been around for bloody ages. I just didn't really remember it. So Too long. Sorry, Lance. <laughs> Give someone else um, a go. Yeah. Anyway, look, it's not it's certainly not going to help. Uh, whenever he gets back in the car, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be tricky for 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 old Lance because there's no there's no no faffing around at testing anymore, but. Back in the old days, not saying they're good old days, but in the old days, they used to test for weeks before a season. And during. Um, and during a season. And now, you know, last year we had six days. This year we've got three days of testing. There's, teams can't afford to just mess about. We didn't have six days of testing last year. We had three. Oh, um, God. We only had three. And we had oh, um, three days of a collective shakedown. Um, just yeah, want to make sure we get yeah. the terminology right on that. Yeah, I got to be sued stuff. for improper information. It was a test. It was a test. <laughs> Testing my patience as well. That's the second time this podcast. Love it. We do a lot of testing patients on this podcast. Um, I think there are some things that go in Lance Stroll's favour in that he's not a rookie. That's good. He's not new to the team. And to your point about his experience in F1 overall and how that's a bit shocking, perhaps even more shocking, and I, I could be mistaken here, with the exception of Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, is there anyone else on the grid who has more experience at their current team than Lance Stroll? I know it's gone through name changes. Well, of course, but... yeah, if, if you talk about name changes, then if you include those, it's the same no, team, right? I don't think so. Yeah, I, th- I believe you're right. Which is, again, feels mad. Um, but that really helps him as well. So he's not having to embed himself in a new team. He's been there for a long time. That helps him out in this situation. I think overall, just in terms of, and this might be comparison to a long time ago, obviously simulators aren't the real thing, but 
he can probably gain enough from that that it's not going to be incredibly detrimental. And it's not a new era of F1. So obviously Daniel Ricciardo losing out last year was pretty painful for a number of reasons, one of which was it's a brand new car, brand new regulations. Stroll doesn't have to compete with that this year. That should work in his favour. The problem with all of those points is it is completely superseded by Fernando Alonso is on the other side of the garage. And Lance Stroll is in a position where he needs to send a message early on. I've been here for a few years. I'm I'm an important part of this team. I'm not going to roll over and just allow you to beat me out of the gates and not have a, have a chance. He's got to stand his ground early on. This really doesn't help in that regard. And I'm, look, I'm not going to say too much here because I don't want to be sued. But you always say when it comes to these sort of detective shows, right, you get down to the motive. Like if you're trying to find a suspect, who has the most to gain? Fernando Alonso has more time in the car. I'm not saying Alonso caused Lance Stroll's incident. But maybe I am. But do you know where he was at the time? (laughs) Um, These are the questions that need to be asked, Harry. (laughs) I'm, of course, joking. But um, Alonso does gain a lot. And I'm surprised he gave Drogovic half a day. I thought it just, uh, I'm having all three. Yeah. I I am shocked about that because I thought he would have been straight up. I'd have had all three. Well, maybe, uh, well, I wouldn't blame I mean, him for it we'll, either. Maybe we'll, get the, no. maybe we'll get onto this, but does the fact that they've given Drogovic even half a day suggest that they're slightly worried that Stroll isn't going to be there in time? That does was th- this weirdly doesn't. Question, um, yeah. it, it doesn't count for anything contractually, I guess either. He was never going to have half a day, right? They haven't just gone. Well, we may as well move your half a day earlier, which you were going to get on the last day. Um, to my knowledge not, not that I'm aware of I know that has no. happened in the past with some contracts I don't think it was a case for Drogovic but never know well since you posed the question so beautifully Harry you can answer your own question um, what does this say about the potential for Stroll missing the first race of the season or, or longer than that that Drogovic is getting an opportunity in that car I don't know really mate good stuff um, thank you mate <laughs> no uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, I obviously don't know, but uh, I guess it's sensible from from the team's point of view to give Drogovic at least some time in the car. They're going to have to pin Fernando Alonso down (laughs) for that morning just so he doesn't jump in before. Let me in! (laughs) Just let me drive! Um, But, you know, I I don't think it necessarily automatically means that... Stroll isn't going to be back for for two weeks or we're going to have time. Um, but it's yeah, like I say, I think it's a sensible thing for for the team to do to to cover their bases because at least then when uh, not when if uh, Drogovic gets the call up to jump in an FP one, it's it's uh, it doesn't have to go through all the like boring I guess adminy bits of you know getting the pedal sorted out and the seat fitted and all that sort of stuff. So um, they'll have covered that in in the first morning of testing, I, I imagine. So it's a, it's a sensible move, but I don't think necessarily doesn't suggest that Stroll's not going to be back. I guess it is interesting as well that they are, they've already said they're monitoring Stroll's progress on a daily basis and they haven't released what they want to do on the Friday and the Saturday yet, which might well have been their plan anyway. But, you know, with conspiracy theories in mind, maybe they're only announcing the first day because 
they want to find out a bit more on Stroll's condition before giving Drogovic more time in the car. If it isn't needed, they won't necessarily want to give it to him. If it is needed, they definitely will. So perhaps they're just playing for time a little bit in that regard for not announcing ahead more than just one day. Sam, what's your thoughts on Drogovic getting the opportunity? And if he was needed on the first race, or if a driver was needed to replace Lance Stroll in that first weekend, for you, does it make sense that it's Drogovic doing it? I mean, firstly, my thoughts go out to Lance Stroll. I mean, we've all been desperately tried to get home as quick as possible through fear of us missing the toilet. And he unfortunately has had an accident. Another and- toilet. Gag. <laughs> and he needs to recover. Obviously, it's hurt his ego. It's going to take a while. That's why they're checking on him daily, I imagine, to see how he is. Um, in all seriousness, Dragovic is probably the best person they could put in the car that they have available to them. But this is probably why I would maybe have jumped on the Mick Schumacher option, but the Sagers have picked him up. Dragovic is your current reigning F2 champion. In terms of young drivers that you could have at your availability, um, there isn't anyone better, really. And I think... It sounds silly and it's pretty a bit far-fetched, but let's go conspiracy theories while we're here because it's fun. What if Dragovic does have to take to race one to Bahrain and he matches Fernando Alonso? What happens then? What does Aston Martin management go? Because uh, imagine the second race, if Fernando Alonso finishes, let's say, I don't know, 10th place and Dragovic finishes race one in Bahrain in 11th place and then we get to Saudi Arabia, Alonso another 10th place and then Lance Stroll, who's back, 18th place. With through no issues, you know, normal running. What happens at that point if they go, ah, this kick's really quick and we've got we're stuck with the boss's son who will never leave? I don't know if that makes them ask questions, but I think realistically, makes total sense that Dragovic in the car, makes sense to get him running. Harry was right with the admin stuff on the seat fit and the wheel and the pedals, get it all out of the way now and not at the first race of the season where he might be having a little panic. Yeah, totally logical. I think they're covering all their bases. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting question on the, the Drogovic situation as to what happens if he does compete and he ends up being quite good. I think it's probably a situation where he does go back to the reserve driver role and a lot of Aston Martin employees go, really wish that wasn't the case, but it probably would happen. Um, I mean, we had a, had a situation last year where Nick DeVries comes in and beats the regular... I'm not comparing Latifi and Alonso here, but he beats Latifi straight off in the Italian Grand Prix, but there was never really a question that he would step in from the Singapore Grand Prix onwards. So I think I, I don't think it would impact anything for the current year, but certainly for future years, I think that's yeah. a question. Yeah, might open the door for him if he performed well. Alonso's going to come after you, Ben. You've, you've, in, you've insinuated that he's run over Lance Stroll and then compared him to Nicholas Latifi. He would catch me, but he's not quick enough. <laughs> You have to catch him first. Things like a whippet. I'm, jo- I'm joking, Fernando. Of course, I know he's a big time listener of the of the podcast. He's- I can't believe I've managed to get a Louis Spence reference onto this podcast. By the way, uh, that I, I never thought was doable. I can. I can very much believe you've done that. Um, well, good. Yeah, I actually think Drogovic getting in the car. I logically, I understand it. If Stroll was to miss the first race of the year, my option would probably be Mick Schumacher, um, just based on he's raced this era of car. And I think he's got more chance to step in 
straight away and do something. Drogovic getting this time is, I think, either very good news or potentially quite bad news. I think it can go one way or the other in that if they think Stroll has the the potential to miss more time, and that's pure speculation at this point, then Drogovic is the person they'd want it as a bit more of a long-term option. But also, if Stroll isn't going to miss the first race of the year, which we believe is going to be the case at this point, then you might as well put Drogovic in for the test because he can get the experience and it doesn't affect the first race of the year whatsoever. So I understand what they've done here um, if if Stroll is looking likely to come back. And, and there's been no indication that he won't. Um, that there hasn't been a great deal of detail shared in all honesty, but um, you know, there's, there's no immediate reason to believe that he won't be there come the first proper weekend of the season. And as you said, Sam, obviously our thoughts go out to Lance Stroll and, and wish you the best possible recovery and hope to see you on track first race of the season. Which is very fast approaching. Um, speaking of fast approaching, F1 back and forth, anyone? Let's that, play a game. Let's a play a game. Terrible segue, but yes, let's yeah. do it. Shut up, Harry. F1. Back and forth. It's F1. Back and forth. It goes backwards. Then goes forth. It's F1. Back and forth. F1. When we get to Austin in October for our live show, Sam has promised he's going to sing that live if that doesn't give I you will. reason to buy tickets um, as and when we are organised enough to have tickets and a venue. You'll all be getting involved as well. It's not just going to be a one-man rendition. I expect you all up on your feet, singing along, dancing, almost like a you know like a gospel choir where you put your hands in the air and you sway side to side. I want to echo through the hills of Texas. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks, Sam. Um, F1 back and forth. Simple concept. Harry versus Sam in a battle of wits. Um, I have got a question that has a number of correct answers. There's 19 today. 19 correct answers to this question. Harry and Sam will go back and forth with correct answers until one of them can't think of an answer or gives a wrong one with the other person then being declared the winner. Would you like to find out today's category? Tell us today's category, Ben. Please. Certainly will, Sam. I want you to name the 19 drivers that have won the first race of the season since 1981. What? To modern... That's what? Oh, because there's doubles, obviously. Yes. So any driver that has won the first race of of a season since 1981. Uh, 19 correct answers. And we'll kick off with you, Harry. Um, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton, three times he's won the first race of the season. 2018 in Australia, 2015 Australia, and 2021 Bahrain. How many of these are there? Did you say that already? Yes, he said 19. Good. I'll I'll ask again in two minutes' time, but just so everyone's aware. Good stuff. (laughs) We're on the board with Lewis Hamilton. Sam, your answer. Uh, the most recent one, Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc won 2022 in Bahrain. Harry, back to you. Uh, Valtteri Bottas. Back to back, 2019 and 2020 in Australia and then Austria in 2020. Sam. 
Uh, Sebastian Vettel surely has a few under his belt. Three to his name, one for Red Bull in 2011 and then two for Ferrari in 2017 and 2018. I'm sure those championship years went swimmingly and ended well. <laughs> or oh, no. That's four on the board. Harry, back to you. Um, uh, Nico Rosberg. 2014 and 2016 in Australia. Correct on both. Sam. Uh, JB surely as a couple 09 and 2012 Harry Kimi Raikkonen two as well 2007 and 2013 Sam well there's a reason why he's the GOAT and that must surely be Fernando Alonso Two times he's won the first race of the season, much like he's a two-time world champ. Um, neither of which happened in Australia, though. Um, he won 06 in Bahrain and 2010 in Bahrain. Harry? Um, Michael Schumacher. One, two, three, four, yeah, five, six times ah, Michael Schumacher almost. has won the first race of the season. 94 in Brazil, 95 in Brazil, and then 2000, 2001, 2002, and 2004. He was quite good, wasn't he? Sam, back to oh, you. Michael. You know why I didn't win in 2003, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> because Michael Schumacher's greatest nemesis, I reckon, won it that year, David Coulthard. I want to say you're wrong because he's not his greatest nemesis, but unfortunately I do have to say you're right. Um, he did win it in 2003, the Australian Grand Prix. He also won the first race um, one other time as well. What year was that? 97. One other time. Good stuff. Yes. Harry, back to you. Um, Eddie Irvine. 1999, he won the Australian Grand Prix. Correct answer. Sam, back to you. I think eight to go. I'm really glad that you said Eddie Irvine because I was thinking of 99 and I had a driver in mind, but I think this driver managed to give it more than one year anyway, and that is Mika Hakkinen. Uh, you're right and you're wrong. He's a right answer, but he only did it once, 98. Blimey, come on, Mika. Step out of retirement and do it again. Pull your finger around, mate. All right, back um, to you. Dill. Dill, uh, he won it in 1996, uh, the first race of the year, the one year he won the championship, of course. Sam? Uh, the professor himself, Alan Prost. Alan Prost. Um, yeah, so he won it six times, the first race of the year. He won in South Africa in 1982 and again in 1993. And then in between that, he won the Brazilian Grand Prix four times, 84, 85, 87, and 88. He's quite He's good at the F1. It's Prost, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. What an Alan. Five answers to go. That's it. Um, Ayrton Senna. Two times. Uh, 1990 and 1991, he won in Phoenix both years when that opened the season. Sam. Oh, it's getting slim pickings. Now, we've had a lot of the obvious answers. I'm going to have to go for our very own favourite moustached doctor, and that is Dr. Nigel Mansell. Uh, 
It's a good shout. He won the first race of the season twice. In 1989, he won the Brazilian Grand Prix. And then in 1992, he won the South African Grand Prix. There are three names left, Harry. Have you got any more? You've got the years left, Ben, or have you not counted? Not been striking I was going to ask the same thing. Could you give us the years, please, Ben? Oh, he's going to say no, isn't he? Oh, he's going to give away. Uh, right, Ben, okay. Have we got one still after 2000? Yes. Oh, intriguing. Okay. I thought we'd cover The other two off. are from the 80s. I'll give you that. Oh, bloody hell. All right, I don't think I'm going to get the other two from the 80s. Or maybe, maybe there's one main from the 80s I can maybe get. It's the one from the 2000s that I've got a hunch about. That's why I asked if we've still got one after 2000. Um, I feel like if you make your way through the years, you'll probably get there. But That's what I'm in doing. In the 2000s? Who have I missed in the 2000s? If I'm right, it's... You think it's rogue by saying the game, but actually when you look at the season it happened in, it's not that rogue. I think it's how I would describe it. If that helps you out at all. No, <laughs> I'm helping you. I'm against you. Uh, um, ah. Thin Air Boy. Physicella? Very happy. Giancarlo Physicella. 05. He won the Australian Grand Prix. I love the fact that Fisichella has led the Drivers' Championship at one point in time, where he should be. Of course, what's the game I had in mind? So um, I'm a bit frustrated. Two to go, that. Sam. Um, the only other game in the 80s I can think of that had some form of prolific success, which is a real shame that I've got to say it because he's a bit of an idiot, is PK. Yeah, it's the logical choice if you're looking for a name from the 80s yeah. where Senna, Prost and Mansell have already been said. Um, he won his home race in 83 and 86, which leaves Harry to potentially complete the board. Um, there's just one answer left, and I will give you a clue on this. It was the very <laughs> first year of this category, oh, 1981. I've got a clue. Um, I don't know Alan Jones he's got it Alan Jones is it oh as if you've nailed that come on you've oh, collectively completed the board Alan Jones I'm glad you said it because USA I was sat West. there going is it Reutemann is it Reutemann I don't know if it's Reutemann I thought I, I thought as, <laughs> I thought it was too late but that makes sense, I guess. 81. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm very impressed with that. That's a tough one. Yeah. Well done, there's a lot I mean, of I guess it's good. names from Master. the early 80s there. Mm. Well done, guys. I think we're quite lucky that a lot of them are repeats, actually. If a lot of those weren't repeats, I feel like me and Harry would have been in the mud. <laughs> yeah. Good little yeah, back and forth topic, that one. I could have further though, than 81. But... Yeah. F1, back and forth, it's F1, back and forth, it goes backwards, then goes forth, it's F1, back and forth, F1. Mate, never die. Oh, yeah. And that leaves us with the most important topic of the podcast. What is it, Sam? It is the 
LB question of the week. Thank you, Harry. You're welcome. And since Sam, you came up with a question of the week this time out, I'll let you introduce it. Yes, so uh, the boys left it up to me because they were both busy and I was not. And we definitely didn't forget to post this a little bit closer than what we thought. No, no, no. no. So we thought, you know, what's the weirdest or strangest place that you have listened to our podcast in this? So this one's more about you than it is about us. But boy, oh boy, did we get some weird and wonderful answers. <laughs> um, boys, have you got any that stand out to you across either platform that we post? Of course, it's on Instagram and on Twitter. You can follow us both there. I mean, I think the immediate winner, because it came in early doors, was was uh, the, the, the lovely lady in hospital who was in labour uh, and having five-minutely minutely contractions. Um, and she only turned the podcast off because her waters broke, which... Again, I I'd advise you turn us off earlier than that. If I'm being honest, <laughs> go let the baby hit the first noise. The baby should hear is our voices. Is F one back and forth? <laughs> Correct. Do you know something really bad? Because that was absolutely my favourite one of the week. But the way I read it first of all was that listening to the podcast, having five minute contractions, waters broke, and then it got too intense, so she had to turn off. And I'm like. Were we really disagreeing that episode? Was that episode that intense before thinking, oh, no, it was, probably means yeah. the birth was too intense yeah, because yeah, yeah, that yeah. would yeah. make sense. Well, that was from Samantha. So, Samantha, I hope the yeah. little one is, is A-OK and, you know, you're all good. Um, but that was a lovely one. Any others that really kind of grabbed your attention, gentlemen? <laughs> Be- Sorry, Beef saying all we've learned here is that all your listeners are farmers because there were a lot of far- <laughs> farming <laughs> Farm-related <laughs> listening. I mean, someone I- said simply in a bush. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Uh, Spencer working on a high-pressure steam drum on the top of a 140-foot boiler tower at a power plant. That is a great answer. And not only... He's not, he's not put a photo in, but he's actually put a five-second video um, on our Twitter on that. So, um, good for you. Um, yeah, speaking of the the farm theme, Half Ton Damson, which is a great username for Instagram, um, uh, in the tractor whilst pumping liquid manure still doesn't stink as bad as your podcast. Thank you for that. Oh, that was savage. I I love that. (laughs) True, though. They're not wrong. They're not wrong. We had some great ones that I thought I I was really surprised about them. You know, Barney on Twitter said, from the arms of David Coulthard, I thought only I was managing to do such a thing, but uh, I'll see you there next time. Um, Aki said, not even joking, I was at the Visa Centre just before my appointment where I was 90% sure that I was getting deported. So I'm glad that we're helping you through these stressful and difficult times. You know, that's really great. For us, pregnancy, deportation, hope you're actually okay and wherever you are, you're safe and warm and good. Um, or whether you're getting Gog's work done and providing food to the nation. Late breaking are there with you. Also, someone snuck into my room, apparently, and looked mm, at me while listening well, to it. There was two people, uh, technically, because if Nick Brown also was in the cabinet with Clive's listening along... Then you've got two people in yeah. your house. I have a question to ask you. How many of you listeners are residing in my house at any one time, please? Because it seems like there's a lot of you. Keith's given the key over, isn't he? They're all in the ceiling. That's why there was a hole. They're all in the ceiling. Keith. <laughs> Get them out, Keith. Come on, Keith. 
So uh, yeah, yeah thanks just for incredibly normal responses. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the the amount of stressful situations, as you say. I mean, I'm glad we can help. It's it's odd that you choose to listen to us in those times, but I'm glad we. Feels like I love a it. Hindrance. The weirder, the better. Honestly, if someone could challenge themselves to do something really weird and listen to us, and then either take a photo or whatever, I challenge you to do it. I'm all for it. <laughs> listen to us while doing a skydive or something. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. Go to the Arctic Circle and stand next to a polar bear listening to us. You know, I want it crazy. I don't want just, oh, I was, you know, I went to the Asda toilet and I was doing a wee. No, I want through the roof. Silly. Um, but yeah, that's it. Shall I sing the lovely jingle again or do you want to point out any more? Go on, sing away. Okay, good. That was smooth. LB question of the week. Lovely. Um, get us out of it, Sam. I, I think we're done. I've had too much talking at the end of this. This is not normal. Um, <laughs> folks, remember Patreon has changed. Remember that you can get involved now. The tiers are available. You can subscribe. It, you know, one of the tiers is as much as a cup of coffee for a month and it supports us endlessly. Um, it allows us to look at doing this full time. There are some great tiers on there where you get some great benefits. Remember, two extra topics, topics, episodes, whole episodes every single month. It's like eight no extra else... topics. Yeah, right? Endless topics. It's like having a bath in topics. We're there with you. Um, you know, you get them every single month. They're going to be twice a month. It's not like they're going away after you subscribe for one month. You'll get it every single month and no one else will get to hear it. So Spotify or Apple will never hear it. You get it. Um, also, those top tiers, remember, beer with breaking. We're going to get a little tipsy. going to get a little freaky. going to talk some rubbish all on camera. Make sure you have a little look. Yes, that's the rules now. Um, and if you've always wanted to see the three of us go, happy birthday to Patreon name here. It's right there for you. Anyway, you can also get involved in the Discord, of course, and join 1,600 people all chatting F1 and other bits and bobs. They're lovely. Join us on social media at Breaking on Twitter or the Late Breaking F1 podcast on Instagram. Or if you're down with the kids, of course, join us over on TikTok. Um, we do have YouTube and the F1 back and forth quiz, which you've just listened to, will be on YouTube. And maybe you can go watch it. Give us a little like, subscribe. We appreciate it. All the support everywhere. Thank you. I think that's it for now. Merchandise is available if you want to look delicious, as you know. Discount if you're a patron. Um, but in the meantime I'll be Samuel Sage I've been Ben Hawking and I've been Silk who famously sang Freak Me you're welcome oh that is the worst one you've ever done (laughs) when you have to add parity after it's definitely going to (laughs) work keep breaking Silk's meant to be smooth yeah (laughs) shocker get in the bin smooth like sandpaper (laughs) sports social podcast network hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus